Welcome everyone to another episode of Elvis Tight Podcast. It's your host Travis and John. John, how you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Today we have Christina Barlon on the episode. She is our first female black belt. Uh, she is a second degree black belt under Kyle Terra. And sh- this conversation is great. I know we, I feel like we always say this. You, you always say it for sure. Whatever. Absolutely. But this conversation is great. <laughs> <laughs> Christina did not disappoint. Uh, her wealth of knowledge and the insight that she gives to a lot of things is just uh, great. I absolutely loved it. John, what were some of the things we covered? Uh, you know, we talked about um, pretty much mental health, you know, uh, maybe dealing, coming back, dealing with some injuries. We talked about competition a lot. Um, talked about uh, a female black belt, you know, what that's like, uh, instructing. I thought she she talked about a lot of good things, and she was a pleasure to talk to. I felt like we could have kept talking, which yeah. we did a little bit after. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we talked you know. to actually quite a bit before and after the the recording. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's just a great conversation. She's very open about mental health and whatnot, so it, it brings an aspect to the interview where she's just very candid about a lot of things, and it's it's great. I like when people. People are very open, even about like the not so great side, the side that you don't see on Instagram and the. Yeah, it's not always like roses, that. right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, so that that was really nice. Um, but other than that, we don't really have anything. Make sure you guys uh, let us know what your favorite part of the conversation is. If there's anything that you guys thought was the greatest, if you guys are watching, you notice that our set has changed. We had to move our office around a little bit. So uh, thank you to them for for sponsoring us. Uh- <laughs> Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't really have anything. Remember, follow us, Elbows Tight, everywhere, and drop us a five-star review if you would like. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening to Washington at Home. And remember, no oil. No, what am I doing? I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. Go ahead and give it a listen. Give it a listen. Thanks, guys. Peace. <laughs> Christina, how's it going? Going good, going good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. No, no, thank you so much for coming on our show. Like we just mentioned before, my awkward countdown that, that <laughs> <laughs> you are our first female black belt on the show. I'm super excited. So, uh, this is gonna be a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, this, so, is, this is what we all do. Well, female black belts do that. <laughs> so, you know, setting yeah. the standards. Yeah. So, drill it. Yeah. Right? So, how's, how's your day going? It's pretty good. I started off with comp class earlier this morning. Um, had a good group come in. One of my friends, um, she like lives an hour away. She's also a black belt, so it's hard. Like, there's not too many of us, right? Like, just like I'm the first female black belt on your show. Uh, <laughs> like, there's not too many women black belts in this area in like like Northwest um, Florida, like Panhandle. So anytime that we get to link up, it's just like let's scrap and hair everywhere. It's been great. It's a good morning. It's a good morning. That's I'm awesome. Awake. It's, so is California, does it have a higher population of female black belts? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, especially now. Like, obviously, when I first started back in 2007, there were none. Um, but now, like, there's a lot. Like, or at least a lot of high, high level or like brown brown and black. Um, I, although I feel like in the past few years, a lot of us have, like, moved out of California, either, like, I think COVID kind of messed up a lot of things for everybody. So they had to like find work somewhere else or Mm -hmm. leaving the area. Like that was the case for me. That's why I'm in Florida now. Um, But yeah, like there's a lot. It's like not even counting Southern California. Southern California, obviously there's just a ton, but like Northern California has a, has a good um, amount of female black belts there too. Uh, We're just kind of spread out. But I mean, if we have like a women's open mat, yeah, you could, you could have like, you know, um, 
like maybe four or five if, if they all come in at the same time, right? And, the, and then a ton of brown belts too. So yeah, we're definitely spoiled in California. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, there's and, so many! <laughs> yeah, right? And we, we live up in Washington State and uh, I don't even think that we have I don't. I've never met. Uh, no, I take that back. Heather Wood lives up here, if I remember correctly, and she's a female black belt also. But I don't so, think we have uh, Hillary Van Ornum. No, she's in Oregon. Or yeah, I think I think Washington. most of them are actually in Oregon. There's oh, okay, there's a lot yeah. in Oregon. Um, I think so, Sonia was the highest belt. Yeah, we've Sonia. Had here. Sonia Salem. Yeah, she mm-hmm. just got her black belt. Um, what about Amanda? Amanda Lowen. I mean, she moved out, she, right? She's in Portland. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, point. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> We're so Pacific close. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Oregon, Washington, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. No. Right, but uh, so, how did? Let's go ahead and kind of get into your backstory on how you started jujitsu. We mentioned that you started in 2007. How did that whole uh, come to fruition? You getting into jujitsu? Well, I mean, I was I was training Muay Thai over at Caesar Gracie's Academy first, and that was I started that in 2006. And so it took me like a year of just doing Muay Thai before I actually, you know, picked up Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and yeah, like I walked into that academy only knowing, only wanting to do Muay Thai, didn't know anything about Jiu-Jitsu. I think I walked in during a Jiu-Jitsu, a jiu-jitsu class, and I think Vinny Magalish was like teaching class at the time. And they're like, oh, you have a question? I'm like, no, nah, I just want to do Muay Thai. And they're like, oh, we can watch class. And I'm like, why are you hugging each other? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I don't know what that is. Like, they're scissoring. I don't know. Um, so, um, so I was pretty into when I first walked into Caesars Academy. And then um, I think, like, after a couple months of doing Muay Thai, uh, my, my Muay Thai coach was like, hey, you should try out some jujitsu, but it was like nogi, so it didn't make any sense. He like showed me how to do an arm bar, a triangle, like a normal plata, and he's like, "Yeah, you don't need to be strong or athletic. Uh, you don't have to be big to be good at jujitsu. It's just technique and leverage. That's it." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." And so he had me like go with some of these guys, and at that time there was like a there was a female wrestler that was there, and I'm like, "Damn, this doesn't make any sense. They're all smashing me. I I'm just being." <laughs> Like I'm like, like I'm like a wet rag just being dragged across. Like I just don't know what this is, and I'm like, you know what? I don't think this jujitsu thing is for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a rain check, and I'm just gonna. I think I like punching people right now, right? Uh, and then like one year later, um, like my my teammate was like, hey, you know what? I think you should try jujitsu again. I'll let you borrow my gi, and like. All right, you know, and so I borrowed his gi top, was way too big. I got a random white belt somewhere in the back of the gym. Who knows what germs were on it? I didn't care. I wasn't thinking that at the time. I just, all right, you're mine now. And then um, didn't have pants, so I was like the Sambo style, you know. And then I just started doing the warm-ups and like, and then being able to use the grips. I was like, oh my God, I should have been doing this the entire time. Like I was, I won't say I was pissed, but I was just like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. Like, this is all I want to do now. So it, it took a while. And then once, uh, once Kyle got in, that's when I officially signed up. I'm like, nope, I'm just going to only do jujitsu. I want to do this jujitsu stuff. Like, he's legit. I, he's my size and he's beating up these guys who are like 200 pound plus, making it look like it's nothing. Like, and it looks like magic, you know, like he's there right. and all of a sudden they're like flipped over and I was like, <laughs> doesn't make sense it like defied all whatever 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 made sense to me at the time like oh big strong guys are you know good at like fighting sports right he was the complete opposite of that and like i i just was like so inspired and so it was it was really really easy for me to just like yep i'm gonna start doing that 
I, I dumped my boyfriend because he was like not supportive. I'm like, you know what? You gotta go. You gotta go. And it's just gonna <laughs> stay. And here we are, you know, like, was it 15 years later? Coming up 15, on 15 yeah. years. Yeah. 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 I've been in it. It's, yeah, since 2007. Yep. Right. I, I can't math right. So you tell uh, me if I did the math right. I, th- <laughs> I think, I think it's coming up on 15 years. I, I don't, I'm not yeah, very good. Yeah. I can't ask him. He, he can't even read a t- no. tape measure. Yeah. So no, like- <laughs> I am not a math Asian at all. Like, you're like right? oh, Asians are good at math. Not this one. No. Nope. I need to look at my fingers. Uh, I need to look at my toes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But if you need me to balance something on my head or like be dexterous and like be a party like circus Asian, I can do that. I'm good at that. Just not the math stuff. That's funny. (laughs) So do you have any athletic experience before you started Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu like growing up? No, uh, No. 100% dance and performing arts. (laughs) The closest, the closest thing to anything competitive was when I got into break dancing right before I started doing Muay Thai. And so like the, um, anyone who knew me as like, as a kid and they, they see what I do now as a living, like they all knew me as this ballerina, right? I was like, Mm -hmm. I played the piano and I did ballet and I did jazz. And I was in like the Filipino, like folk dance group. Like I, I was the artsy kid. Right. And, um, like Christina, how'd you go from being a ballerina to like this jujitsu stuff that you're doing? I thought you're, you were such a nice girl. I'm like, I'm still a nice girl. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I've always been a nice girl. <laughs> I just like to choke people sometimes yeah. and get paid for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like no, I didn't. I didn't play any competitive sports. I, 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 I think I played one season of basketball in the third grade, and that was just because my childhood best friend was doing it. So whatever she did, I wanted to. Do, I was terrible. If there's, if it's a sport that involves a ball getting into a goal, and there's no physical contact, chances are I'm not gonna be good at it. Like no. You, it is. It is almost. It's. It's laughable. I. You. You will think that I am joking, like or punking you, like how bad I am. Like you said, shoot, shoot the ball. It'll like go that way. I, it's. It's no coordination with like with that That's <laughs> with sports ball with sports ball. But um, I could see yeah. dance helping out though. I mean, dance has some coordination yeah. and movement. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was definitely the biggest advantage coming into jujitsu um, was just the body coordination, mm-hmm. um, having core strength, um, being able to understand techniques too. So like when I'm watching a technique in class, it made sense because it's like I'm watching choreography. So right, oh, um, my, my understanding of movement and um, and like body awareness was just a lot higher as a white belt. So it, it just clicked. It, it just yeah. made sense. Yeah. I was going to say, I think a lot, a large portion of if someone doesn't have it, like an athletic background when they first start jujitsu, the first couple months is literally just figuring out how your body works. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you're like, I don't, they're like, put your arm here. You're like, uh, that's the complete <laughs> opposite way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's like the twister all the time. You know, my foot, you know, right hand on, you know, red and left on here and then your foot. Yeah. All the time, all the time. And like, and I have to be, um, like, I always remind myself this, like whenever I have new students and I'm like, your right hand. And they're like this, I'm like, no, you're the right hand. It's like, no, my right <laughs> hand. It's like Napoleon dynamite. Like, That's me. I'm like, can you just move it in the right spot for me? Thank <laughs> yeah. You. yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, Christina, like just, okay. Right. So some people don't, yeah. Like some people, you know, like I have to do this too. Like, um, like, okay, what's left hand? Yeah. yeah the L. The, the, I'm like, okay, this is my left hand. Okay. Which one? <laughs> 
If you guys aren't watching this, we held the L's up with our hands, and then I drew the L. Like, with so, so yeah, but that was definitely an advantage. Like, if you told me to put my foot somewhere, like it made sense for me to put my foot somewhere, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, yeah, <laughs> not so, having that, it can can be kind of difficult, you know. So. N- n- Knowing that, when you go to like teach someone now, what are some ways that like someone you you can get someone to help understand faster? You know what I mean? Because there is that that whole like I don't know what's going on right now. I really really like pushing movement drills a lot. Like um, a lot of my warm ups that I do, they're always going to be somehow related to whatever it is I'm going to be teaching that day. Um, but I always stress like this is this isn't just some movement to get warm or just cause it looks silly or because I, you know, I want to look at you struggle. <laughs> you know, teaching students how to do like forward trips for the first time. It's like, yeah, this is for my enjoyment. I, I find joy in seeing you struggle. It's not because of that. Okay. I promise. Um, but no, like these are like, I like functional movement. So I think the, the easier it is for people to like understand those functional movements, then the easier it becomes to understand what we're going to be doing um, like with the technique itself, like I, I, I use a lot of analogies too. So I'll say, okay, when we're, you know, doing a hip escape across the mat, that's kind of like doing something in 2d. Right. And then when you're applying, um, a hip escape in some way, shape or form with a partner, now that's like 3d. Right. And now when you're applying that same movement, but not using the floor, maybe using a different part of the body, or maybe you're angled differently, like maybe you're going to be inverted or maybe you're on the back or, now you're switching like where you start off, but the concept is still the same. Now that's like bringing it into 4D. So it's always like working in dimensions. And so there's always, I feel like if you teach the why, and that's a lot of the reason why um, having Kyle um, like as my professor, like it just made sense. He always taught the why. Um, and I feel like I've always just had really good professors. Like even when I, when I moved to Arizona and I was under Gustavo Dantas, same thing. The why was so important. And I, and I think it's not about the whole picture because sometimes I think that's a little too hard for people to mm. digest at one time. If we can see what are, if we can at least pinpoint to like what our objective is with, within each step. So we know it's not just a mindless, like, Oh, I'm grabbing here because they told me so. Right. I think that makes it a little bit easier. I, in the heart, I think in the beginning it's harder because you have to you have to train yourself to think this way, mm-hmm. but in the long run, it becomes easier as opposed to just being spoon fed. And then later on, you're going to have a harder time understanding like more difficult or uh, more advanced techniques because, um, I don't know, like, um, uh, I guess like we're saying like with the fundamentals shouldn't be easy. Fundamentals are like, they're basic, but it's not necessarily easy. Those are the building blocks. And so again, you might put some time and effort and it might be a little bit more difficult in the beginning just to get those building blocks. But once you understand how they work and how you can use them, it becomes easier in the long run. So when you, you mentioned warmups and kind of using, technique to warm someone up do you what what do you see as an effective warm-up do you believe in like the running around the mat doing push-ups sit-ups jumping jacks kind of or do you or do you try to like use a drilling technique like you mentioned triangles or yeah like like shooting triangles Uh and stuff like that i like the running around and the push-ups and the sprawls and all the stuff for the kids because i want to make them tired and i don't have energy for them so i don't make the kids do all the burpees i won't necessarily make the adults do it so much i do we do like do the beginning like warmer uh like run around um i do even though i'm a guard puller i i like making sure i'm integrating some sort of like um stand up 
So even when we're doing the runarounds, those are all footwork drills. So I don't want us to run or sprint just to run or sprint. I'm making sure I'm adding in footwork. So like if you're doing like little karaoke's or like how you shuffle, shuffling backwards, skipping backwards, forward and backwards. Again, there's always going to be a purpose to it. Um, obviously, if someone's got injuries, I always modify. I'm like, okay, do squats or something else instead. But yeah, I don't, I don't make my like adult students do like push ups or burpees or anything like that. Like no, no one's going to be pushing up out of anywhere. I don't think. Right. right. <laughs> and like, I like, I don't know about you. Well, maybe you guys can like, I can't bench press anybody off of me. So I'm not going to be, that's, that doesn't, that's not functional to me. Right. Yeah. Um, so yes, I do like swinging arm bars. I do like Kimura sit-ups. I do like trying like a uh, shooting triangles. Um, all the, all like all the warmups that we do across the mat, they're all going to be like, you know, again, functional movement, technical standups. I love technical standup because it doesn't matter if you're a white belt or a black belt. Um, and at a basic level or at, at, at like the highest world class level, you're going to use a technical standup in almost everything, mm -hmm. right? Whether you're falling, whether you're getting back up, whether you're going to be sweeping somebody like that is like, I think I stress technical standup the most. Um, like for example, the past uh, two weeks I've been doing just the standup part of our curriculum, uh, my curriculum and which is for the most part for the past two weeks, I've only been teaching judo. Um, and then this next week will be coming into wrestling. So that means I'm teaching break falls. Every single class is lots of break falls. Um, every single day there's going to be footwork drills. You know, every single day there's going to be some form of like understanding grip fighting. Um, I feel like that's going to be a little bit more valuable. And, and, um, again, it gets people thinking, um, okay, I'm moving with purpose as opposed to just moving, just to moving, uh, or moving just to move. Do you think, um, since you watch a lot of students, would it be better for newer practitioners, say they're coming in with a, a less athletic background to focus on strengthening their cardio or muscular? Well, I mean, like the thing is, are you talking about like doing stuff like outside of jujitsu? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That was a question I had for you. Someone was curious. Should they work, focus more on weights or cardio? What do you think is more beneficial? What's more beneficial is doing more jujitsu. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's there's nothing out there that recreates or simulates jujitsu except for jujitsu, and and I think that's what makes it so unique. Um, sure, you could go running, you could bike, you could you could lift, you could do CrossFit or you know some sort of cross training or whatever. Like those are all going to be supplementary, but ultimately none of that is going to make you better at jujitsu except for actually doing jujitsu because the cardio that you get from rolling is not the same as it's not a sprint. It's also not a marathon. It's somewhere right in between. You know, you have to know when you can kind of go with bursts. You have to know when you can pull back. You have to know when you can rest. Um, even like how you engage your muscles, it's not the same either. It's not all explosive and it's not all just holding on tight the entire time. Right. I think like the, like, um, it's, it's like learning when you can, you know, when you can pull, when you can push, when you can actually relax and let go and breathe, um, all that stuff, like you, you really only get from rolling, uh, and, 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 and you can make that easier. So if someone is like coming in, not super athletic, I would do specific rounds. Like your objective is you're going to start from close guard and you need to try to find a way to sweep or submit the person and you have one minute to do it. And, and so you have like, it makes it a little bit easier for you, like the focus one, I have an objective two I know where I'm starting and three, now I just got to figure out how to make it work. And you can get really, really tired in that scene example, one minute, right? One yeah, minute on top yeah. and one mm -hmm. minute on bottom. And you do a bunch of that, but 
what you're doing is over time, you're just making your, making itself easier, right? Because you're, you're going through these like little sprints and then before you know it, it's like one minute, now two minutes. And then now you're getting through five minute rounds, um, because you were doing everything else before. And now you have an idea of direction and objective, especially cause like, you know, you hear it all the time. Like, well, what do I do now? You know, what do, I'm, I'm here now. What now? What do I do now? What now? What? Right. Yeah. So I, I like with my beginners, um, giving them specific scenarios to work from. And then, and again, you can get really, really tired from that, but you can also get a lot of really good conditioning. And I think it makes it easier to transition to like full five minute rounds. I like having my students roll right away if they feel comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. I know some places don't. Yeah. Um, um, I think if you compare a beginner with someone who's, uh, you know, more versed and has a little bit more experience, um, again, I think different different gyms have different kind of communities and different mindsets. But where I'm at right now, everyone tries to tries to help each other for the most part. So um, it's safe to do that. Like, obviously, I'm not going to put the two beginner white belts with each other and then you know, right. like, okay, right. have at it, right? You know, pull out <laughs> the popcorn and like, you know, <laughs> not trying to have that happen. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think just starting small bits and then lengthening that time little by little. So, how do you feel about? Uh, kind of beginner classes, like onboarding classes for brand new practitioners, do you feel, because it, it, it just made me think of how those typically don't spar, and if they do, it's going to be new white belt versus new white belt, which we all know is like rams locking horns, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So do you feel those are beneficial, or should you just throw them into gen pop and then let them kind of learn that way with the more experienced belts? Throw them in to the general. <laughs> I mean, like you can, like again, like in the beginning, like if I have a brand new person coming in, for sure, I'm gonna have someone walk them through like the warm ups. I'm like, hey, this is gonna be your battle buddy today, right? You know, I'll put them in with like a, like a blue belt or a purple belt, you know, you know, um, if I can, and like, hey, you know, like you're just gonna shadow this person, and and they're gonna show you the ropes, and that makes it easier for them because I know it's it can be super awkward and intimidating walking into those mats for the first time. Um, Sometimes I can have new white belts with each other, but then it's like, I, I have a little bit of anxiety too. Cause it's like, they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, oh man, just, something bad's going to happen. So it's like, you know, you kind of want to keep them separated as much as they can. And then only when they're tired enough, do you let them meet? They just, you know, they, they just got tired out by the, like the blue belt, the purple, the brown belt, you know, and then now you bring them together and now they're too tired to use, anything like strength and they're just gonna lay on each other and they're just gonna I'm like i don't know what i'm doing i'm like that's good that's good that's good excellent my plan is coming together that's funny. <laughs> so I'll, I'll i'll wait i'll like wait for the very last round for them to work with each other and then that way i can 100 percent focus on them and then also like the upper belts also got time to be focused on as well too so everyone gets uh, a little bit of attention because sometimes that's hard too with the with the upper belts like they don't always want to be helping the lower yeah. belts they want to have some time to be selfish and work on their stuff too um but i feel like everyone at some point every upper belt has to sacrifice a round or two to help somebody who's lower than yeah. them so take a rest round and recover yeah, round. <laughs> yeah recover. <laughs> no no some of those ones are like oh i'll go with a white belt for a restaurant it was not a rest round oh preach <laughs> no. like, john's 43 years old oh, it's God. no white belts or rest rest round for him <laughs> Yeah, not at all. I'm like, why are you so strong? Oh God, I know I'm a black belt, but oh my God, I'm small. I'm small. 
and I'm I'm 36. I got a bum knee. Like I'm not trying to prove anything, but <laughs> yeah, <I> slow down. <laughs> so I normally tell him we bump this. I'm like, look, I'm old. Just take it easy on me. Relax, breathe. And then 30 seconds later, he's wrist locking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, see? we can be yes, friends. Yes, that's right. Yes. That's right. So speaking of, of wrist locks, um. Do you feel that white belts, are there any techniques that white belts shouldn't learn when they first start or should they be in like in a very controlled environment and it's okay? You definitely should have some control, but we should, they should also learn with caution. Like, because the next belt is blue belt. And once blue belt gets along, wrist locks are there. And mm-hmm. as white belts, they can learn foot locks. So like, yeah, they need to learn. Um, I would say maybe obviously, like, I think there's a timeline for things. I think your first class shouldn't be footlocks, right? <laughs> um, I think it could, I think a fair timeline would be like anywhere between th- three to six months of like mm. consistently training, understanding concepts because there's so much there. Like even even um, submissions in general. Like I like teaching right away, but like we wanna we wanna teach stuff that's gonna be relatively low risk, right? Um, and success is gonna be like low to like moderate, right? Like so it may not necessarily work right off the bat. But it's, it's enough to get them some confidence, right? And then once they start having confidence with those things and they have, like, a better idea of, like, okay, I, I want to fight for these positions, then we can start adding in stuff that's going to be a little bit higher risk, like a footlock. Footlock, I don't say it's, it's super high risk, but a lot can go wrong with it. Um, obviously, if you do it wrong, you're, you can sacrifice position. Um, if you don't understand, like, how to position yourself or how to apply pressure, you can either hurt yourself or hurt somebody or hurt somebody else. Um, so there's definitely always some caution, but I'm always going to mention like, Hey, you probably shouldn't do that because this is what you're going to be putting yourself in danger for. Like, Hey, you don't have to worry about this now, but you know, um, in a year or so or whenever you get to your the next belt, that's going to be a thing. So right. it's best to be aware of it now, you know? Um, and and I think that's fair to do. I, like it, you're not. I don't think you're doing any favors to anyone by not showing them or not saying like it doesn't exist. Like you should definitely talk about it. But do they necessarily need to be training it like right off the bat, like month one? I don't think so. <laughs> like they're still they're still learning how to do shrimps and forward rolls. Like you know, mm-hmm. like stop messing with people's feet. You know, <laughs> like hmm. you're yeah. doing pussies. So. Um- when it comes to like new practitioners and competing, how do you how do you handle that? Because you're a heavy uh, competitor. If someone were to you know month one, they're like, I love this, I want to compete. Like, how do you handle that? Um, well, it, it, it's student by student basis for me. I, 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 I there's never gonna be like, oh, because I teach this one this white belt this way, I'm gonna do that for everybody. Um, it definitely is student by student basis, um, and and that becomes like an honest talk because. I, I, since that's something that I am passionate about and I absolutely love doing. And I also like, um, seeing when people get curious, I'm like, yeah, okay. So if you're thinking about competing, you're month in, like if, if there is someone who's kind of struggling a little bit, I'd say, Hey, you know, like, let's try to get things put together a bit more. Let, let's make sure that we understand like, um, like understanding sweeps and understanding positions a little bit more. You're kind of struggling here a little bit, uh, or maybe you're having a hard time asserting, so, but that's definitely a goal that we can work towards, right? So I'm never going to say like, no, you can't compete, but I will definitely say like, Hey, we might need to take a little bit of time to like work. So we, we have a little bit more in our arsenal. Right. Um, and I always, I always encourage to like, I want this to be like a good journey. Like there's no rush to this. 
So I don't want anybody rushing into a tournament um, with certain expectations and then they quit, right? Because that's also bad for business, right? So there's the part of me that like has to be like, yeah, I want you to compete. But there's also the part of me that's like, but we also have to retain and maintain students, right? And so we want to make sure that we're putting them on a good path for growth. So they have again, realistic expectations of themselves. Um, now, if there's someone that already has like a competitive background, you know, I, sometimes I'll have like, you know, brand new students who have a little bit of like wrestling background or, um, or, you know, something like maybe they played sports before some gymnastics or whatever. And like, they're pretty athletic. Right. I'm like, okay, that's something that we could probably do. Like, but I would still also see like, Mm, but we probably need to get a little bit more in your arsenal. We got it. We could probably have to lay down a little bit more. Like you move really well. You have like really good potential. So let's, let's set a date, right? Let's look for a tournament and then let's focus on that. And then depending on how your training goes from now leading up to that, we'll see if we're going to be in the right place to compete. So I am definitely really, really supportive and depending on the student, they could compete with it with only a month experience, or maybe we're waiting for more like three to six months, which I think is what most people do. I'll say most, but a lot of people do. So you you talk a lot about like mental training for competition and jujitsu. Is that something that you kind of you before your your students start competing? Is that something that you try to help them with also? Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I will never neglect adding in the mental side of it because, like, the, the thing is, it's not even the competition part where, like, the mental training comes in. Of course, that you need to prep for the actual competition day, but it's actually like the mental prep, like coming in every single day to train. You know, especially when you come into days where, like, man, you're tired, you're sore everyone's everyone's kicking your butt, right? Everyone's submitting you, everyone's sweeping you. Like those are the days that are going to be the hardest. And those are going to be the days that are going to really test you like, hey, am I even doing the right thing? What makes me think I can even compete? And so um, it's really important that we talk about those things earlier, not later, right? We don't want to get to the tournament and you're like, oh, I'm freaking out. You know, like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, like, oh, why, why did I do this? Why did I do that? I'm like, man, we kind of want to start that beforehand. So, like, if you have doubts, let, let me know so I can kind of work that through. Um, but, yeah, because... If you're thinking that just going in to train and just trying to train harder than everybody else is going to be good enough, it's not. Like, yeah, that that is a very big aspect of it. You do need to be able to assert. You do need to put in the effort. You need to try to go as many rounds as you can. But you also have to have some grace and some kindness, like um, especially when the days come where you're just getting your ass kicked. Like I've definitely had that where I've lost every single round of comp training and then like cry and then have to do it again later and then going into competition like having to remember those days where i felt like absolute crap like some of my best performances were when i had like i feel like i did shit for 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 like the training the entire time i'd never what at one point felt confident during the during the training part to it um but that built a certain amount of mental fortitude you know so um super important and um and yeah right off the bat i'm I'm always talking about that every single day. I'm competitor or not. I'm talking about like the mental aspect of it because again, I, this is not an easy sport. It's not an easy thing to, to stay in. Um, and, um, and a lot of that is just because of like the mental stuff. Have you had, uh, any big setbacks in your training and did you have any tools to overcome them like injury wise? Oh yeah. Like that? Um, we were actually at like pretty much my five year anniversary of like 
tearing, re-tearing like ACL, PCL, MCL. Mm. Mm. I competed, yeah, I competed at Fight to Win against Patty Fontes. And it was like, I had already tore my PCL um, like the year prior. Um, and then I had like this recovery and it was, I like, I tore it right after, after Worlds. And then I already had my ticket for the Asian Championships. And I'm like, well, no, I'm going to go. We're going to go to this tournament. So I was like, I couldn't even train. So all I did was physical therapy and like hard dieting to get ready for Japan. Mm. And like, it's like, well, well it's just going to have to do, you know, like it wasn't the, it wasn't the prettiest win, but a win is a win. Right. Right. Um, and then, so I rehabbed it and I was, you know, but like my knee, it's all, ugh. and then like a year over, like, yeah, like a year and a half later then I tore it in that tournament and then I had to have surgery. So, um, and that, that was really, really tough. Like, I think one of the last things I remember before, like, you know, they, they give you the anesthesia and like the four, like, you know, um, going under yeah. the last thing I remember was crying. <laughs> Like, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> you know, like I'm all trying to be positive. Like everything is fine. You know, like, okay. So like, we want you to count backwards from, from 10. And like I said, 10 and I felt like the little tear leave my eye. <laughs> like, oh, God. Oh. <laughs> right. And then, and then, but luckily, like I, when I, when I came to, they're like, all right, well, the surgery was only two hours instead of four hours. I'm like, is everything okay? They're like, yeah, well, everything was holding. The damage wasn't as bad as, as everything presented before. So we just cleaned it up. I'm like, Oh wow. Like that was, a, uh, I dodged a bullet there, but yeah, I, it, that was a really, really dark place. Like you can I can imagine like I couldn't even like, I struggled showering myself, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. sitting, you know, I, I couldn't stand in the shower. I had to like sit on like, like this stool and then I had to like use like the tub water and like a bucket to like just to bathe myself. <laughs> I had to put my leg up. I, I remember there's one time where I think like I dropped the soap and then like I fell off my stool oh, and I'm no. just like, and like my leg is up. I'm there, you know, soap is everywhere. I'm just like, <laughs> so, so right. And just being sorry for myself. And like that really sucked. Right. Like I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And I mean, like, but I, you know, I feel like that happens a lot in our sport. And like, I think that's a time where you really, really get tested. And especially I was already a black belt that time. Like, luckily I think I, yeah, I, I dodged a lot of like really bad major injuries, um, at the lower belts, but I mean, I got lower back problems. I got neck problems, you know, shoulder, you know, everything. But it it wasn't until I was a black belt that I started, I had like surgery and like, that was like the big scare, like, Oh no, I'm not going to ever reach my potential or I'm never going to be able to accomplish the things I want to accomplish because of, because of this injury. Now it's going to set me so far back. Um, and, um, but obviously I'm, I'm thriving. I did fine, you know, like, um, but at the time it was just a really, really, really dark place. And, and it, it, it felt like I didn't have too much hope. Like, even though I knew like, all I need to do is just keep going, but you know, it's, it's really, really easy to have your doubts during that time. What resources do you use to help with like mental strength, especially in times like that? Um, well, you know, um, luckily I had like a lot of like good prep. Like when I was with Gustavo Dantas, um, he was like a really, really big like mental coaching, mental prep. Um, like that's like his whole platform. And so I was kind of like his guinea pig. And so, and I was very, very resistant to it at first too. I was one of those, like, I just need to train harder. I need to do private lessons. I just need to shut up and train and drill. 
And I don't need to do this mental training stuff because that's only for people who are weak and scared and they don't have confidence. And like, that was just me projecting all of like my fear and insecurity. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm not afraid you're afraid. (laughs) Right. So, um, a lot of it is just like going back to like touching back to like, not even as an athlete, but like making sure I always touch back to who I am as a person. Like my athletic self does not define me as an actual person. Right. Um, just because I win or I lose is not going to make me a better person or like a worse person. I'm not all of a sudden, like people aren't going to stop loving me if I, if I stop winning or, um, I'm not going to be less valuable for whatever reason. And, um, and, um, and, and, and it was like having to be okay with like, um, okay, these things are going to be tough for a while. And then having to kind of talk yourself through that, like, okay, right. well, what's the worst that can happen? And then what's the best that could happen? Right. Cause it's really, really easy to think about all the bad things, like what the worst things that could happen first and without considering that here's the good things that could happen. Right. Um, um, and then having a, a good support system, I think would be the hugest one because it's like, it's really easy to isolate yourself and it's really easy to, for, for, us to make ourselves believe like we're the only ones going through it and we're the only ones that are feeling what we're feeling. And, um, if you can like have a support system, like, especially with training partners who've gone through similar things, talking to your professors or talking to your coaches or talking to those who are like have more experience than you. That's also a really good, like source of, um, of help that's available to you. Um, to, obviously depending on the relationship that you have with everybody, but like most people, will have that some family member, some friends. Um, I think we live too much in our head and we don't spend enough time actually verbalizing what it is that we're feeling. And so therefore it's, it's a lot easier for things to get kind of out of hand and grow bigger than, um, grow bigger and more powerful because like we give them power. Right. But the, right, it's yeah. actually, it's surprising by how much the moment you actually like speak it or talk about it, you take the power uh, away from it. Right. And it, and it becomes less and you're like, Oh, it's not so scary. So it's kind of like, I don't know, shining like a flashlight into the shadows and stuff like that. Um, so I really, really, really did have to one rely on my own training, but then also as much as like, I I'll say I hate to do it, but I'm afraid to do it, rely on the people around me for support. Um, because that is what they are there for. Like, how, how am I going to say that you can come to me for, for help if I don't go to others for help too. Right. Yeah. So, um, I feel like that is, it's the scariest thing for a lot of people to do because you have to admit that you're scared or you ha- you're, that you're vulnerable. Um, but it's, it's going to be the thing that also like helps you the most because again, like going through something alone is probably one of the worst things to have happen. So, um, understanding that you're not is, is already going to put you ahead. Today's episode of Elbows Tight Podcast is brought to you by the Amino Coat. John, go ahead and tell the listeners at home a little bit about Amino Coat. So I'm using Heal. Uh, it's to help with recovery. It's 100% science-backed. What I like about it is it triggers lean muscle growth and repair four times more efficiently than any other protein source. It reduces muscle atrophy and improves physical function after surgery. It helps maintain a healthy inflammatory response by acting mTOR. Um, I highly recommend everyone go to AminoCo, look it up online, check out the science-backed details. It's all there. So far, I really like it. It tastes great. It mixes easy. And uh, I'm looking forward to using it for a couple months. If you guys want to check out Heal and check out the science, go to aminoco.com slash elbows tight. Once again, that is 
aminoco.com slash elbows tight and use code elbows tight at checkout for 30% off. Every new purchase does get a free gift as well. Thank you, AminoCo, for sponsoring this episode. So how do you deal with like imposter syndrome? You recently posted like Instagram <laughs> talking about imposter syndrome. How do you deal with that? <laughs> just fake it till I make it. That's all. <laughs> Preach. Preach. I'm right there I with just, you. I do a little dance. If I make it look, I'll just dazzle them with my bullshit. And no one will be the wiser. No, yeah. no. I'll do something fancy. And I'll say a bunch of big words. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. It, there, there, it's a day by day process, right? Yeah. Like, cause it, it's, it's always ups and downs. And, um, actually something that I've been doing recently, um, to kind of help is like, while I'm in it, cause like, again, while I'm in it, I all, like, I'll just shut up and I go and I teach. Right. And I'm like, okay, that felt pretty good. But I've been recording myself teaching, um, like the past couple weeks and I've been kind of like reviewing and I'm like, oh, okay. So now instead of just being like, oh, Christina, you're, you're such shit. Like you're just totally lying to them and you don't know what you're talking about. And then I look back at it and then now it's like, I mean, I know I'm watching myself, but now I actually have something that I can correct. Yeah. And I can also compliment myself to like, oh, wow, that was really good detail that I did there. Oh, that was really good movement. Uh, I could probably improve that a little bit better. And that I feel like is a little bit more productive, right? Because again, same thing. If we're just in our heads and we're just like, oh, it's only me a matter of time before people find you out or, you know, you're a total fake or, you know, you did that one part wrong, right? Like, I think everything is going to be okay for as long as we can at least take accountability, right? I'm, I know I'm not perfect, but I've gotten better at, admitting if I don't know something and that also helps me too. So it's like, okay, I don't have to act like I know everything just because I'm a black belt, just because I have all these titles and I have all this experience. Like I don't have all the answers. So I had to, I had to teach myself to get more comfortable admitting like, Hey, let me get back to you on that. Cause that's a situation or a scenario that I'm not too familiar with. Oh, that guard work, that guard or that specific position. I don't do too much work with it, but let me get back to you because, um, I can study up on that. And that makes me better. And I also, I feel like that makes it a little bit more honest. So I think the more that we feel like we have to be like this unstoppable superhero figure for people, the it's like, we're, it's, it's, it's time we're setting ourselves up for failure. If we do that, because it's like, we're trying to be someone that we're not, but if we actually just admit that like, Hey, yeah. Um, there's a lot of things I'm good at, but there's also a lot of things I'm not. And I think when we're a little bit more honest with ourselves, then I think I feel like that helps combat that a little bit, but it is a process. I think starting off with the things that you're good at is always a good place to start. Like, um, when I did my uh, mental training program for the confident athlete, it was literally called, um, a confidence resume. So factual things about you that you could say that are like, yeah, this, this shows that I am qualified, right? Oh, yeah. oh I, I won this tournament or, um, people struggle passing my guard, right? Like you, these are, these are things that can be supported by evidence. Right. And I think that makes it easier for our, our minds to kind of like hold on to those things and then make it easier to build from there. So, um, but yeah, I just, I just bullshit them. Right. I just, Make it look fancy enough. There you go. There you go. Get, get a little ooze and some eyes, <laughs> and then I can feel I can feel good about myself. I'm like, ha, I got him. I got him again, you know? Right. And then every single day, I just want to do that. I'm like, let's see what I can get him with this time, right? 
That's funny. Have you had any? Have you ever had any issues like uh, coaching men in jujitsu? Has there ever been like any feed or not feedback? Uh, kind of like I don't. I don't want to say animosity, but have you ever had any issues with that? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it's definitely a lot better now, but I've, I've had it where, um, like visitors would come in and like not even shake my hand. Like they shake all, they shake like the other guys like that were black belts around me or like, I, it was so weird. I was like, why are you not shaking my hand? Why are you? And like, like I had like, I outranked somebody. It's like, why are you shaking the lower rank before me? Like, or or like I'd That's go so and weird. help a person, like the same person, and like I'd try to like help him with the technique, and he'd like ignore me. I'm like that was weird. Like, I, I did, but, I, this is pretty black, you know. Yeah. I put the wrong belt on today. What is going on? I mean, I know like my my belt's getting worn is getting kind of like you don't know what belt that is i have it all the time i had people like um i posted a flyer recently for a seminar that's gonna happen in february and i had like four or five dms were just like what belt is that i'm like it's a black belt it's just really worn like or like kids will be like is that a zebra belt like is that a gray belt why are you gray belt i didn't know they had gray belts for adults like yeah, That's so it's just funny. really, it's just really worn. Um, but yeah, like sometimes I'll have like guys who they they want to like f around and find out, right? Like they they go harder than they're supposed to, than they should, right? Like again, just because I'm a black belt does not give you permission to you know go balls to the wall and try to hurt me, mm-hmm. right? Um, like obviously, I I gonna say I have. Luckily, I haven't gotten hurt, but like it's scary, you know, like walking in especially to like open mats or your guests somewhere and they don't necessarily necessarily know who you are. And I, I don't, I kind of like whatever energy is given to me, I kind of try to go with it too. But if you're going like kind of like too far off the rails, right off the bat, it's like, okay, we're not doing that. You know, we're going to, you know, I'm going to try to slow you down. But I feel like after those initial interactions, um, it either goes one of two ways. Either they like don't ever train me ever again, um, or they they sit and they listen. And and I, I think like eighty percent of the time, eighty five percent of the time, like more often than not, they sit and they listen. You know, very rarely do they like, well, screw this, I'm gonna go somewhere else, you know, which I have had happen. You know, I had I had um when when I first started teaching here, there was a there was a, a blue belt that was at the academy and it was, I don't know, like, um, it was just, I guess, trying to prove something or like, I think they came from a different school. And so everything had to be like how their, how their old professor did. And, and the things that I was teaching and the things I was saying, was just like, well, that's just all wrong. You know, it's to this, it's to that, it's to IBJJ efforts, to sport or whatever. It's not realistic. And, and they left. And I actually didn't find out about that until recently. And they had been gone for like, you know, a year or two now. Um, I actually know where they train now. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's weird. You know, it seemed like, like they, like I'll have guys ask me, what about this? What about that? What about this? You know, it's almost kind of like borderline pushing. Yeah. Like condescending. Yeah. And, and it's in front of everybody in class. Right. And it's like, man, like this doesn't happen to guys, you know, or sometimes it does. You have like the white belts. There's always the what if guy, there's always a what if guy in class. Why don't you just stand up? Yeah, just, just pick them up. Just 
pull your arm out. Right. Yeah. Just get out of there. Right. <laughs> just get out of there. Um, but I, I, I think now it's been a lot better. And, and I, again, this community here is still small. It's still growing. So it's not as saturated. And again, like black, female black belt is very uncommon here. So, um, in California, it was less likely to happen, but here, um, I'm not saying I'm finding it a lot, but like, I, I think there, it's just a different kind of style of jujitsu out here, right? Like California is super competitive. Everybody knows about competitions. Everybody kind of like understands sport jujitsu and, and like gi, no gi, like everyone kind of just trains that way. And it's still growing out here, but like, there are really, really good people out here. Like they just have like good community, want to train, want to get better, but you still have those who are, I don't know if it's like a Southern thing, but you know, sometimes there is that kind of like mentality where like, I'm not sure if I want to listen to like the 120 pound Asian girl, you know? And, um, and, um, but that has not been the overall experience. I think that's, that's, it's a very small limited experience, which is good, but it does happen. (laughs) Yeah. I generally ask if I'm rolling with a black belt, um, how hard they want that roll to go before I start. I thought that was pretty much the norm. Do do you get that often or is that? Um, I don't usually have people ask me that. Although, um, like, especially Nogi, I don't know what people's belts are. Right. So, so it's a little harder. Um, and if I happen, if I do know what your belt is, like if you like are brown and black, I will always ask like, do you want ADCC rules or just regular you know, just regular rules and like, Oh, regular, you know, because I got knee injuries too. So it's like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to have someone rip on my leg without right. defining what, what is what <laughs> training that we're going to be doing in the right. gi. I don't have not so much. I don't gi. I don't think that happens so much, but no gi for sure. I think there has to be like, Hey, so what rules do you want to, do you want to go with? Like, are you good with leg attacks? I'll ask that sometimes too. Like, are you good with leg attacks? Um, and especially like for the most part, if I know you, I'll let you attack whatever it is that you want. Um, if I don't know you, I will not appreciate you just all of a sudden going for hill hooks. If I have no idea who you are, what your yeah. belt rank is. I feel like does it matter if I am a black belt or not. If you know what rank I am, but I don't know what rank you are. I feel like that's really disrespectful to just, especially like my default is to, I guess if I don't know what rank you are, I'm going to treat you somewhere kind of like a, like a blue belt. Right. Cause you could be a white belt or you, you could be a purple belt, but I go with that, with the intention of like, I'm going to see how you roll first. The moment you start like ripping on things, it's like, okay, well now, like I said, like, especially I don't know you, like now I'm going to have to enforce and I don't like doing that. Right. And again, that doesn't happen very often. That is a very, very rare occasion, but it has happened. So I think defining rules is, 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 is uh, super important, especially with no gi rounds. Cause I, I feel like people are a little bit more considerate in the gi. You can slow things down. Um, but yeah, defining rules before no gi rounds for sure. Cause yeah, you, you never know who you're going to be rolling with or if people's got injuries. I, I always ask that too. Like, Hey, or is there anything injured that I need to, be worried about, you know, and then only attack know. that. Oh, your knee is messed up. Okay. Just let me cut all the cats out, all the toeholds. That's it. I'm going to do all the things. Thank you. So <laughs> how, how should, how should, uh, practitioners view rolling with uh, a black belt or a higher belt? Cause I always, as a blue belt, right. Uh, we've been doing this coming up on six years now, five years coming. And, uh, Rolling with a black belt, kind of, there's like this psychological thing with me where I don't know how hard or I should go with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if I catch something, um, 
I don't know, like, should I try to finish this thing or like, you know what I mean? There's like this whole mental battle going on mid roll of like, I don't know how hard I should go. I don't want to be that, that spazzy blue belt or that person that they don't want to roll with because it's, it brings a lot of value rolling with higher belts to me. Yeah. So how should, how should practitioners look and go in roles with higher belts? Um, well, I mean, it, it really just depends on the relationship that you have with them. Right. Like there are certain people who I know, like, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, see, anytime I'm going to roll with my professor, like, I doesn't matter. I'm a white belt. <laughs> like, like, I know so nothing. Good. No, yeah. Anytime, I think, like, one of the last times I, I, I rolled with Kayo, he he had, like, a broken hand or something. He tucked his hand in his belt, and then he swept me without his hands and submitted me just only using his legs. And I'm like, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> Can't <have> shit, right? <laughs> and um and then but then you're gonna have also ooh, what just happened <laughs> oh that's just your i hope that doesn't there you go hello yep you're gotcha you're okay okay um but there are also like i know that there are a lot of black belts too who will let lower belts play a little bit so like if for i me personally i like i'll go with the flow don't all i ask is don't crank on anything and don't move so sporadically to the point where like I'm I might possibly eat a knee or eat an elbow or get headbutted. Like that that is all I have. Like there's there's no reason for you to be like, you know, shooting a knee into my chest for like a knee slice if all I'm doing is sitting here, right? I like um but I, I also do think that there should be a certain amount of like you should assert a little bit. Like don't wait don't wait for the upper belts to do something. Cause like if you're waiting for them to see what they're going to do, they've already plotted your death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, and again, like, and sometimes they are creating openings. They want to see what you're going to do. I, I like to also like, um, if I catch someone with something that they shouldn't do, like, Hey, don't put your hand there because it will end up leading into an arm bar. Right. I'll say it once and that will be it. I will not say it again. So if you do it again, I'm going to catch you. Like, this is the reason why you don't put your arm, yeah. you don't put your arm there. Like, okay. Right. Um, I will definitely mention to someone like, um, Hey, like if they are going a little strong or if they're using too much strength, like, Hey, you're, you're putting it in the wrong place, put it here instead. So I think if you're going with someone who's okay with being constructive, that's cool. But there's so many egos to work with and, and it's really hard to navigate, I say always error in with like whatever a person's giving you kind of give back if you're able to, if not, like if they are going way too much, then say something, right. Just say something like, Hey, can we pull back a little bit? Cause like, you know, like name, whatever reason, Eric. And, and you could even just be as blunt as being like, I'm afraid you're going to hurt me. Please slow down. Yeah. <laughs> My bad, right? Because some people don't know. Like some people don't realize how they're going, Absolutely. especially a white belt. So I'd say go in respectfully. Don't go in feeling like you need to prove something. Um, and then go in knowing that no matter what happens, like you're not better or worse of a person. You're just working towards a goal. Because like you do have people there who think like they're going to be collecting like medals by trying to tap upper bolts. And it's like, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Cause someone will enforce on that too. Like no, no one, no one is here to be a stepping stone for you. We're all kind of growing together. So don't be that guy, be respectful and, and, um, don't hurt anybody. Don't hurt anybody. Don't be that guy either because <laughs> uh, 
you will be enforced on so fast. Don't hurt anybody. Don't be that guy. Right. And then, um, and yeah, respect, don't hurt anybody. And also just don't be afraid to, again, try, don't be afraid to fail. Cause I mean, anytime that you're going with a number ball, you really have nothing to lose. So just, just try, just try. That was reminding me, I was going to tell that funny story with uh, Professor Sean. When I first rolled with our new black belt, um, I went like, you said, don't go too slow because they already, yeah, I was waiting for him to make the first move and he just destroyed me the rest of the match. And I was like, okay, next time I roll with him, I'm going to go harder. And I didn't roll and I left. I went back down to San Diego. So I was gone for a couple months and then I came back to Washington and we rolled and I threw a wrist lock on him about i don't know a minute into it and he was like oh okay prison rules <laughs> and he he waxed me the entire rest of it i was like oh man never do that again yeah, but it was a lot of fun no no yeah i was like yeah, but did yeah. you have fun did you die yeah. you did not you're yeah. telling the story did not. obviously no i yeah i totally love that i one of my friends uh mikey uh he's a brown belt and the he, he always says it's like yeah the first time i rolled with you i was like okay she's small I'll be nice. And then it's like, and then I regretted every, every moment of that afterwards. It's like, you took my back and you're like this evil backpack and I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do backpack anything. Trying to and he's like, and it's like, you know what? Nope. Screw that. Nope. We're going to go regular with you now. And I'm like, good. And then, so, and then now we go regular. So he's not afraid to smash me, but I'm also like, I was like, if you don't smash me, I will, I will attack you. I will attack. So, yeah. you know, don't, like, don't be disrespectful, but like, please do like keep me in check too, right? Yeah. Like, I, I I need to be kept in check as well. I can't let my my ego go running around like oh, I'm beating up on those students, ha, right? <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Right. <laughs> um. So keep me in check. But yeah, he's just like, what the hell? Why is she so strong? Why is she so fast? Why can't I get rid of her? Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned Kyle Tara. You you got you got your black belt from him? Yes, I did. So do you have any other role models that you look up to, specifically females in the jiu-jitsu community that you, you really look up to? Yeah, um, I really like uh, Anetchi Stack. Like, I absolutely love her. She's a, like just a diamond of a person, just really good energy. And she's done so much for just like women's jiu-jitsu, like Letizia Hibero for sure. Like I, I think these like both of them have just been really, really good examples of like strong women and good leadership roles too. Like they've had like strong competition careers and like they've, they've won all the titles, they've done all the things. Um, but like just how much they've contributed to like the women's community and like help building to what it is now. Um, like Hillary Williams, when I was, um, like a blue belt, I just remember like watching her as a Brown belt fighting against black belts who were like, um, you know, bigger than her or like fighting guys. And then even just like following her, her thing of like, um, like learning how to speak Portuguese through like, um, like the app, like Orkuch, whatever. And then like, and I was like, man, she's so cool. Right. Like, and she's just beating up all these guys and, and like, they just seem so like, like, yeah, like I don't say superhuman, like, but also attainable. Like, you know what I mean? Like very grounded, very, very real people that like, um, and you can see that it's not just a show, like they genuinely care and they genuinely love the sport. And, um, like, and it's and funny too, like even like Jazari Matuda, like I was watching her compete as a brown belt against black belts when I was a blue belt. And I would just remember just being so impressed by like her jujitsu. And then like, you know, fast forward and now 
I'm a black belt. She's a black belt. And now like, she's my, my rival and I'm fighting her. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. Right. Like, I feel like only in jujitsu could that happen. Um, and then like, and like just the women over the years that I've gotten to be friends with and like, they're like my, like my equals, like, like Erin Hurley, she's, you know, one of my best friends, she's a black belt as well. And, and she does amazing things with like the mental, uh, with mental health awareness and, and within the community, especially within the jujitsu community. And, um, yeah, like there's, there's just, there's, there's just so many women. I feel like that have just paved the way. And, um, especially from when I was a white belt and there was like no one. And then now it's like, there's just so many amazing women out there. Like they're just, again, I, I, I think it, it's a great time right now for, for, for women jujitsu and it's just getting better. Like, obviously there, there's still a long ways to go, but we're getting more, we're getting more, we're getting more. And, and, and I love to see it, you know, and I want to be a part of that as much as I can. What do you think needs to be the biggest catalyst to get more women uh, or the women's side of Brazilian jiu-jitsu bigger? Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's been uh, talked about quite a bit, but I mean, like it comes down to like, I guess, equal opportunity, like having, I, I see now, like there's more women's programs. It's great. More women's only seminars and camps and like just having more opportunities for women to come together because um, I know that when I was a white belt, it was really, really competitive. Like the only other time I ever got to see, um, other women in the sport was when I had to fight them. Right. And so that kind of builds like this, like, again, rivalry mindset, like, and, and I've just never been that way. I just want to make friends. I'm scared of people, but I still want to make friends. Right. And, um, and I found that like through that community, just having those, having that, available and being able to get past that initial hump of I have to treat you as my as my competition as opposed to my teammate or someone who's going to be um someone who's going to help me get better because I feel like a lot of women are raised with the mindset that I have to look at other women as 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 my competition like they're you know and that's not just in jiu-jitsu but that's like everything in life right a lot of a lot of us were raised that way and, and so therefore it's like that cattiness and I feel like yeah. that, does, you know, right. And, um, and now that there's more opportunities for women to train together, I feel like that has getting, has gotten better, but it's still difficult in, in the pockets of like communities where it's still very, very small and it still is very much competitive and it'll only get better for as long as there's opportunity for us to train, actually train with each other in a non-competitive atmosphere. And then with competition, having more opportunities for us to also compete uh, within a, a fair playing ground, right? Like having more weight divisions or, yeah. um, you know, belt divisions. Again, sometimes that means that those divisions will be smaller. I understand sometimes they'll end up having to be put together just to make things work. But for as long as it's made available, then women know that there's something for them to go to. Otherwise, it's just going to be like, well, there's no place for me to sit, you know? It's kind of like, you can sit with us if you want to, like if, you know, but that's not the same as like, here is your place at the table. Please come eat, you know, yeah. come here. Right. So, um, but it's, it's getting better. Like, you know, I think like pro events like ABCC, right. Like they need to have more weight divisions for sure. At this point in, in time. Yeah. And in absolute, they, at this point in time. Absolute. I thought that was crazy. Yeah. Because the, because the over, because over, um, is it, it's like up the, what was it? How many up to, up to 60 kilos, like up to 60 kilos and then 60 and then 60 kilos plus. Right. 
that is essentially absolute. So like if you're at the bottom of that, that's screwed. So it's like, we are at the point now where we can have more than two weight divisions. You could add another two and you can also add an absolute because the, the, um, the, the, the talent pool is huge. Now there is absolutely zero excuse for any pro event to not have high level women's women's um, matches. There's no excuse for, for, you know, if, if there can be um, a men's grand prix, there hundred percent for sure can be a women's grand prix. Um, and, and you're seeing it, we're seeing these advancements. Um, so again, like the more exposure and the more opportunity that we have and the more that is sh- being shown that like, Hey, this is available to you. Um, I think, um, that will definitely entice more women to come in because we see that there's a place for us. It's not just an afterthought. It's an actual, like, no, a conscientious effort to make a place, uh, for, for us to grow. Um, and we're getting there, but we still got some time. <laughs> we still got a ways. You mentioned like your personality is like you're not you're not like a competitive person like like not like in the sense of like cattiness and stuff like that. Or yeah. When it comes time to compete, how do you flip the switch to be like you know fun, Christina? I'm trying to have a good time. To uh, now, I need to choke you. you know, like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you how do you flip that switch? Yeah. Well. Um... Like I've gotten pretty good at compartmentalizing, like I don't say all my different personalities, but like, you know, this is coach Christina, this is Frank Christina, this is black belt Christina, this is student Christina, right? And there's always a time and place. When I am in competition, that is the time that it's like I am absolutely allowed to be selfish. I am absolutely allowed to put myself first. There is no one before me, just me. It is my responsibility to make sure that I do what needs to be done. I, and, and so that is my mindset when I'm competing. I don't want to hurt anybody, but like there is an understanding of the investment of time and the effort. And again, like the level of, uh, there's a certain level of selfishness you need to have to be a competitor. Um, it is really, it's really, really hard to, to be, to be a full-time like instructor and then also be a competitor because you have to split your time between helping your students and then helping yourself. And you have to make the time to, to help yourself. Oh my goodness. Can you hear, I'm so sorry. Can you hear, oh, no, they started hear. doing the, they started mm-hmm. doing like a yard work out there. No, nope. no, nope. you're okay. all good. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, it's ruined. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, like the, the switch happens the moment that like, I see the mat, like I'm in the bullpen, like everything in there, I'm getting loose. But I see once I'm in that bullpen, it's like my focus is just right on there. And it's like, I don't see anything else. I'm, I'm not cold, you know, but like there is a level of like, I get right back in and I have, I have my, I have my own tools for that. Like if I need to shake my head, if I need to snap my fingers, if I need to, you know, wring out my hands, anytime that my thoughts start straying off to anything that's outside of the competition, that's not going to help me. I make sure I do like a quick reset. So I'm, I'm focused right back in. Um, and then after I'm done, then I go right back to just being me again, you know? So it's, 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 pretty easy uh, and i think a lot that comes from too is like having the, the performing arts background uh coming from that background of like okay you're you're backstage and you're ready to get on onto stage and in that moment like all you can think about is where you're going to be on that stage with the spotlight and then performing for everybody and there is no time to think about anything else or like am i going to be someone's friends like no i have to put on this performance and so um 
when I'm competing, it's very much like that same mindset because it's a very similar scenario. Like there's lights, there's, there's all these people around, there's a lot of yelling, uh, for me, against me, you know, around me. Um, and then I just kind of like soak it all in. I'm like, okay, I love this because I love competing and I am a competitive person, but I'm not, I'm not going to be competitive with my friends. Right. Like right. I, I don't need to try to prove anything with like outside of where like, I feel like it's appropriate. Like, yeah, I'm <laughs> like, I don't need that stress. So, and, and again, like, and I like to be friends with who I compete with too. I, there's no reason for me not to be, unless like you really, unless like we've got like a personal thing, but that has not been my experience. I, I don't, I'm not a, I don't like to pick fights with people. <laughs> For someone who likes fighting, I don't like fighting. <laughs> I just, just want to hug people. So one of, one of our previous guests, Matthew Gillette, he's a uh, black belt down in Arizona and he's a huge competitor uh, within the IBJJF, right? IB, yeah, IBJJF. Yeah. I always, always say IBBJF, and I'm like, that's that's completely wrong. Like, isn't that wait, isn't that like bodybuilding? Yeah, yeah, IBB. it's similar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he mentioned uh, cross training, like going to other schools. You kind of yeah. mentioned it earlier, but his point of view, it, and it was kind of interesting to hear. Um, and I would love to get your take on it. It was, it's a good idea. But you have to be careful, especially if you're a heavy competitor, because sometimes you're going to be dropping in at gyms with people that you are going to be competing against. How should people how should people handle cross training? Do you do you like do you promote it? Like, are you okay with it? Love cross training. I love it. And if anything, like, here's the thing with the Internet being the way that the Internet is, nothing's a secret. No. Everything's available. Right. And um, and I'm not I. It's, it's, un, it's, it's really hard to just hide, you know, what it is that you do now. Yeah. I'll go to an open mat and there might quite possibly be someone I'm going to compete against there and they're going to see what I'm doing. I don't care. I don't care right? <laughs> because like, just because you can see what I'm doing doesn't necessarily mean you're going to know what that feels like and you're going to know what to do with it. And if you do figure out how to do something with it, that means I need to make myself better for that too. So I am a big advocate for cross training. Um, more people that you can train with the better. Um, that's actually the only way that our community grows too. I, I know like we are no longer in the days where it's like, Oh, you went to someone else's, you're a crayon. Like that. Yeah, right. I, I, I like we are far beyond those days now. Um, especially again, like if you are an area like here where everybody's either kind of spread out or there's not too much, like the jujitsu is never going to grow because it's always just going to be everyone trying to prove how good they are against right. each other as opposed to just growing right you're not you're not going to support seminars at other people's um other people's academy even though they're bringing high level people like that only hurts you and that only hurts your students and that's going to hurt the community like again like you should take advantage of opportunities to learn from other people obviously like your gym is your gym your flag is your flag that should never change you should have your professor Right. And the person that is going to be the source of, of your, your information and, and that's a person that you turn to. But you should be free to, to train at other places, too, and drop in. You want to train some friends at a different academy. You're, you're on vacation and you, you want to get some rounds in. You want to even just be in the social aspect of jujitsu, which is so healthy and helpful yeah. for a lot of people again mental health wise like it's a reason why so many people gravitate to jujitsu for their mental health issues is because of the sense of community right like um it will only make you better um and yeah like yeah, you may or may not like 
especially here, I feel like there's a lot of women who they fight each other every, like at every tournament, they're going to fight each other, but they also want to train with each other too. You know, like sometimes you're, um, your best rival is, is your best competition and, and that's going to be the person that's going to make you better. Right. It's like Ken and, and Ryu, right? Like rivals, but like, they also like made each other better. Like, because, because when one gets better, then you get better too. And it's always right. going to be this. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I just like that, that idea of, of, the of like the challenge, right? Like, okay, so you figure that part out. Now I have, now I got to figure out something else so that, um, to, to give you trouble, you know? And then I figure out something that, that you did. Okay. Now you're going to create something else that's going to give me trouble. And that makes it exciting, right? Like ooh, right. something new, right? You got to keep things right. spicy. <laughs> so if people don't want to compete, like I've never competed, John's competed once. Do you feel cross training is a, is a, a valid substitute for that or yeah. is nothing, nothing replaced competing? Yeah, no, I like comp- honestly, competition is not for everybody. I like it, there's there's dieting and there's training and there is investment and then there's the 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 you know you have to put yourself out there like and and again like that can be really anxiety inducing. It's not for everyone. I totally get if someone says that they don't want to compete. I'm not gonna be like, no, you need to compete, right? Like, <laughs> well, just because I like it, you don't have to like the same things I do, right? Um, but yeah, cross-training is definitely a good opportunity to kind of see where you're at um, against different people, right? Because the people that you train with every single day, your teammates, they know like, everything that you're going to do. Like they, they, um, they learn your game and they, they learn how to defend you and the same thing that you learn theirs. So if you really want to kind of keep things real and you want to see where you're at, cross-training is one of the best things. Go to open mats. Again, if you have, uh, if you have an opportunity to go somewhere else, like if you're traveling um, or you have friends that train it somewhere else and they invite you over, take advantage of those. Um, because again, that's all just knowledge coming in and you can kind of see, um, again, like see where you're at. And, and also just like, I feel like it gives you a deeper appreciation of the sport because there's so many different styles out there. And, um, and sometimes you don't realize what you have until you see what somebody else has too. Right. And so I, I think it's, it's, um, it's a, a really good way to like really, really get into the sport because that's, again, one of the best parts of jujitsu is the rolling, right? right? Everybody loves rolling. And so like, um, and sometimes you want to make that better roll with different people instead of the same people all the time. What's one good piece of advice you have for a <laughs> newer practitioner? Don't forget to breathe. Like right. preach. preach. I, always, I, I like I start getting headaches. I'm like, am I breathing? Is am I just holding my breath? Like, yeah. Like, I need for you to breathe. Take a deep breath. Right. Um, breathe. Don't forget to breathe. Like I, I think like especially going in and um and I, I know it's, it kind of sounds cliche like to have fun, but like always remember why you started. Like why why are you here? Like, like, are you, like, are you here to make yourself happy? Are you here to make somebody else happy? Are you here trying to, is there a goal that you have in mind? So every time that you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, just think about why you started and always touch back to that because I, I feel like, um, and, and sometimes that changes too. Like, you know, I, I came in and I thought I just wanted, you know, to be a tough guy. And then you come in and you're like, actually, I, I think I just wanted to be pushed, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so that changes too. And, and, um, but I think, yeah, breathe, have fun, remember why you started and just take each day at a time. It's not a race. 
there is there is no there is no uh, medal for for getting something done faster, right? Yeah, we get stripes. Yeah, we get belts. But like, like you're on your own little path, right? You're on your own trajectory, and everybody is right. Like, if I, I like using the analogy, if like we're all in a garden, right? But like your sunflower seed, your tomato seed, um, I'm like a watermelon seed or whatever, like we all have different growing conditions. Now we're all being put into the same soil, but some, some people need more sunlight. Some people need less. Some people need more water. Some people need less. Right. Um, and to compare yourself to the person next to you, like, well, how come they're sprouting and how come they're already blossoming? And I'm still just a seed in the dirt. Or like, well, they just, they're, they're different from you. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then just because they're growing now doesn't mean that you're not going to go ever. Like, again, like you just need, you, everyone has different requirements. So give yourself a little bit of kindness and some grace when it comes to that too. And remember it, it's the hardest thing to do, um, to not compare yourself to other people, but don't compare yourself to other people. Cause it's not going to make you any better. And it's only just going to make you feel like crap. Right. If everybody, if you feel like everybody else is doing better than you, um, um, everyone's just kind of struggling differently. And, and we all just kind of present differently too. So right. have fun, breathe, don't compare and be a beautiful, beautiful seed in the sand or in the dirt. I'm, she's saying that <laughs> she's and I'm picturing myself, what am I? I'm the small cactus. Ooh, <laughs> you know, the little small prickly cactus. <laughs> don't touch me. <laughs> but like you have like a flower on your head. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, my, one of my friends, she's a black belt, Rachel Casillas, and she has like, I'm a delicate flower, but she's like a cactus flower. <laughs> <laughs> that's yep. funny. Well, hey, Christina, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a, a phenomenal conversation. I'm super excited for people to listen to this at home. And if you made it this far, uh, let us know what your favorite part was. If you uh, or where, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Um, at Kibi Jiu-Jitsu on Instagram is the best one that I keep the most active on there, too. Um, and all inquiries can be sent there, too. So at KB Jiu-Jitsu, Instagram, you can see me. Eventually, I'll get off my ass and start doing reels again. Uh, you know, when I want to perform and, like, do all the funny videos and stuff like yeah. that, it's also heavily based on my mental health. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, but, yeah, yeah, that's that's where it's at, so... Is there anything else you would like to shout out? Any organization that you work with, or anything like that, besides just your Instagram? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always um, thankful for my sponsors, like Act, especially Act Control. Like, couldn't like Control Industries? Like, they like <laughs> like they've been with me since day one. Like when they were just starting off in Arizona back in 2011, I was one of their first one of their first athletes, and I'm still with them now. It's like, and I can't, I can only speak so much about like how appreciative I have I've been of them for like over the years and so it's like I always just control all the time all day all day um, <laughs> and of course submit the stigma which is Aaron Hurley's uh, organization check them out they do workshops trying to get everybody um, onto like a like mental mental health conscious academy just so uh, it helps um, give uh, not necessarily like the, well I mean owners but it could be anyone in any academy giving them equipping them with the tools to help um, either teammates or students going through like mental health crisis, but like we're not professionals. So it's kind of like having the tools to kind of help navigate them so we can kind of calm down, knowing how to recognize signs. If we, if, if we feel like uh, a teammate is, you know, um, like going through a rough time and then helping them, um, like have those conversations or putting them in the right direction for prof professional help if needed. Um, and so, uh, check out, uh, yes, submit the stigma and, 
I can't think off the top of my head. That's how I think. <laughs> like, maybe if I just wiggle my head enough, maybe of the like, singer. information will like will get into my brain, and I can't. They'll shake think, it free. So. Just where is yeah, it? Yeah, just where is it? I don't know. I heard it works, but I can't think of it right now. And, you know, but, Perfect. Yeah. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Today, John, you got anything else? No, thank you. All great. right. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching at home. And remember, no oil checks here. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. <laughs> thank I don't know you. why he makes me do it every time. Every time. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>